0: All right, thank you, drama team. Can I tell you, I I remember phase four parenting, and all I can say is good times, right? Good times. Well, hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but as I speak, our worship director, JD, and his wife, Vanessa, and some key leaders at our Hayward campus, Devin and Brittany, they are in a race to see who's gonna have their baby first. And they are both right on the verge of going into labor. And man, I'm thankful to God for these babies. I'm thankful to them for their commitment to do whatever it takes to grow this church. But by next week, can I tell you, we're going to have two new babies right here in this church. Do you know all over this church, we have lots of babies, lots of little ones, lots of students. And for that reason, we're kicking off a brand new series called Help I'm a parent, and I wanna start off my message. I wanna ask all of you here uh, tonight, whether you're a parent or not, would you pull out your outline? We have a a bright colored uh, outline for our message in your program, and right off the top, I'd like you to finish this statement in your own words, that parenting is, and I'm curious, what would you write? Maybe you'd say challenging, difficult, expensive, yeah, toughest job, toughest job you'll ever love, right? In fact, I talked to some parents recently, and they're in phase four. They're raising teenagers, and they said, hey, Pastor Paul, I'm just trying to obey the fifth commandment. Thou shall not kill, right? So, but, but can I tell you this? Even with the challenges and struggles and expenses, I think most of us who are parents would finish this sentence by saying, parenting is a privilege, Parenting is a privilege. In fact, I love this quote from former U.S. Surgeon General C. Everett Koop who says, life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. Parents, God has entrusted us with the high privilege of passing on his plan and purpose to our kids, the next generation. But here's the question. What does that look like? And how do, how do we know if we're doing it right? In fact, I remember when my daughter, Sierra, when she was born 22 years ago, uh, we put so much work into getting ready, like painting the nursery and putting together the crib and buying all the diapers and clothes and all that stuff. And I remember when we got home from the hospital We walked into the living room with the baby in the car seat. We put Sierra down, and I remember looking at Karen, and we both looked at each other, and we said, now what? (laughs) Now what? And we've been saying that over and over again through every phase of parenting. Now what? We've repeated that, and now our kids, Sierra and Tim, they are 22 and 19. So can I tell you, in 22-plus years of parenting, Can I tell you, along the way, I have been peed on and puked on and punched and yelled at and told, I hate you. There have been late night emergency room visits. There have been spankings and restrictions and the classic clean your room battles. There have been the hand over your cell phone moments. And all of that happened last week, (laughs) you know, right? Here's, Here's what I'm saying, friends. I want you to know that I know firsthand, parenting is hard work and we all need help. In fact, I've come across an interesting statistic that was a survey done with parents all across the United States when asked about how confident they felt when it comes to raising their children. This is what they said, would you write this down? National Parenting Survey, 85%. 85% feel unsure on how to raise their children. And what this stat is telling us is, so many of us, we love our kids and we wanna raise them well and build a great family. We're we're just not quite sure how to do it. Well, can I tell you one of the things that I am sure of, on your outline from Proverbs 24, three, it tells us this, it takes wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. Would you circle the words wisdom and understanding? Because if you're gonna have a good family that's strong in love and faith, you're gonna need wisdom, and you're gonna need understanding on what to do and how to do it. And can I tell you, friends, today, I have some great news. I have great news for you. Here's the news. God loves you. God cares about you. And he loves your kids, and he cares about your kids, and he cares about your family. So he doesn't leave you in the dark to just stumble and try to figure out something this important all by yourself. He actually gives you some great guidance from his word, the Bible, on how to parent on purpose. That's what we're talking about in our first message of this series. We're talking about parenting on purpose— and I, I want to share with you in this message, I want to give you three bits of godly guidance that God gives us uh, in his call on our lives as parents. And the first one there on your outline, if God, God's guidance for how to parent well is the first thing I think God calls us to parents is to prioritize our marriages, where I prioritize my marriage. It's really doing what Hebrews thirteen four tells us to do, check out this verse. It says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, would you underline the phrase, give honor to marriage? Give honor. It means give weight to, give highest value to, give priority to. See, I want you to, to, here's the deal, because so many couples, when they start out, man, they, I see so many couples, they make this critical mistake once they have kids. Their focus, that when they get married, their focus is on each other, but when they have this precious little ball of selfishness, their focus goes down to the baby, right? But if they're not careful, if they're not careful, they get stuck in that position, And they develop this mentality, well, well, you know what, my kids have to come first. My kids have to come first. But in the process of doing that, the marriage suffers. And in making this point, I hope it will help inspire you to bring some focus energy back to seeing one another. This call to keep your love, in fact, the very love that made those kids in the first place, to keep it strong and vital and connected. In fact, check out this quote on the screens that says this. One of the best gifts you will ever give your kids is a loving, connected marriage. Do you see it? Do you know it? You see, once you have children, you're going to have to make a choice along the way because you're going to fall into one or two camps. You're either going to have marriage-centered parenting or kids-centered parenting. And you're going to have to choose. See, here's the choice. In marriage-centered parenting, you say to your kids, you are welcomed and treasured parts of our family, and you're under the care of mom and dad. Kids are welcomed, they're treasured, but they're under the parents. In kid-centered parenting, that's where you say to the child, hey, you're the center of this family, and the universe and every choice we make revolves around you. Now, you don't ever say those words, But that's how I see so many parents running like frantic to do everything for their kids, and they lose each other in the process, and then they wonder why their kids are growing up so entitled and self-absorbed. Listen to me. Can I tell you with confidence that God has called you to develop marriage-centered parenting? where you give honor and weight and priority to the relationship with your spouse first. It's one of the best gifts you give your kids. In fact, here's, here's why. Christian psychologist Gary Collins writes these words. He says, when marriages are good and growing, this influences the children positively by creating stability in the home. But when the marriage is stressful and unstable, the children become anxious and they feel guilty because children tend to internalize the conflicts of the parents, and sometimes there's fear of being abandoned physically or emotionally. And then I put the rest of the quote there on your outline. Check it out. Here's what he says. It is a fact of family life that unstable homes produce unstable children. Parents, can I tell you, your kids, they watch you and they watch your marriage like a hawk. And when they see you being loving and affectionate and hugging and kissing and holding hands, it it creates this loving environment, they want in on it. But when they see disconnection and fighting and arguing and apathy, man, it does real damage to their sense of security. But when you live out a loving, committed marriage, not, not perfect, none of us are in that realm. But when you live out this committed marriage, it builds a security and an added benefit, it sets a standard for your kids to shoot for if they ever get married. Now, here's the sad thing to me, is I see so many couples, they start out with love and passion and commitment to build this great marriage, but then, you know, after a while, they just start taking each other for granted, and then they get a little lazy, and then they just settle for mediocre marriage. You know, a mediocre marriage is is when you end up doing C work instead of doing what it takes to have an A-plus marriage. In fact, on your outline, let me write this down. Here's what you need to have an A-plus marriage. An A-plus marriage is marked by affection. That's the hand-holding love pats, back rubs, hugs when you come home, that helps you feel loved in the relationship. It's affection plus affirmation. Those are the kind words and the Valentine cards and the anniversary notes and the words of appreciation where you build your spouse up and they actually hear the words, how much you love and appreciate them. Affection plus affirmation plus attention. Attention. Where you make time for one another, date nights and walks around the lake and romantic getaways. And for you married couples right now, I'm wondering if maybe God might be calling you to a higher level in your marriage, to to raise the grade, if you will. In fact, if I can give you a couple suggestions on how to do this, the first thing I tell you is I'd highly recommend, this is like a must read for every married couple. It's a book called His Needs, Her Needs. Man, this will bless your marriage and this will train you on how to be a better partner in your marriage relationship. So that's a, the first suggestion. The second one is I'd encourage you, get in a couples life group here at Crossroads. We have married couples who are trying to give attention, raise the grade, and get better at this marriage relationship. You can just write couples group on your communication card. We'll help you get connected. Now, why would you do all this work? Why? Do, do, you know, do you know, here's what the Bible tells us ecclesiastes the wisest man who ever lived solomon in ecclesiastes 9 9 he wrote these words life is short and you love your wife so enjoy being with her this is what you're supposed to do did you hear me this is what you're supposed to do As you struggle through raising your teenage kids and four, no, as as you struggle through life on this earth, the Bible is telling you, prioritize your marriage. Parents, prioritize your marriage. Now, some of you are single parents and you're thinking, well, what about me and, and, and my kids? What does this have to do with me? Well, turn your outline over because Psalm 68, five and six tells us this. The God who is in his holy dwelling place is the father to the fatherless and the defender of widows. God places lonely people in families. Do you know God has provided a place for you called the church? A place where you can find love and support and develop safe, healthy relationships. It's also a place where your kids can get connected in children or students ministry. So here's what I tell you single parents, don't go it alone. Don't do it by yourself. Be intentional about getting connected and helping your kids get connected. And then let me say one last thing that applies to all of us. Married, single, parents, not a parent. One of the things that I hope you'll catch from this is I want you to see how your good, good father parents you. Do you know God loves you? There's no doubt about that, friends. He gave his only begotten son to die in your place on the cross so you could be forgiven. And when you put your faith in Jesus, God adopts you into His family where you are loved and cherished and treasured. But listen to me God doesn't do child centered parenting. You are not the center of the universe. I can't help but think of the very first line of the purpose driven life book. Do you know it? The very first sentence in this book says this it's not about you it's not about you it's about God and his plans for this world and friends listen to me as treasured parts of his family the church we're to take his love we're to honor his family name and build his kingdom not try to use God to build ours so that's God's first bit of advice to prioritize my marriage the second one would you write this down it's God's call on our lives as parents. We are called to prepare our kids. As a dad, I'm called by God to prepare my kids for real life relationships. I love how Proverbs 22:6 says this, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, would you underline the phrase, train a child? Do you know, before a kid rides his bike on his own, he usually starts with training wheels, right? Now, why is that? Why do we put training wheels on? Well, it helps them so they don't crash, right? So they don't fall. Parents, our job is to be like the training wheels for our kids' lives until they grow to a point where they can ride on their own without crashing their life. You see, parents, you're the trainer. You're the coach, the leader, the director, the, God, the one that God has given the responsibility to train up your children. See, it's not the government's job or the school's or even the church's job. Moms, dads, God has given you a high calling to train them and lead them how to live. And you need to do that in so many areas, but there's three key areas of training your kids that you can't afford to miss. You got got to prepare them for a real life relationship, number one, with God, with God. It's your first and ultimate calling. One time Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing in all of life? And in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, friends, I I want you to catch this. According to Jesus, the most important thing in all of life, for you, for your kids, for every one of us here, the number one thing, the main reason, your purpose to be on this planet is to learn to love God first with all you've got. Jesus places the highest priority on relationships, starting with your relationship with God. Now, parents, here's my question for you. Whose responsibility is it to help your kids learn how to have a real faith relationship with God? Whose job? Where, yes, starts with you. Where are they going to learn to have real faith? Because, listen to me, they're not going to get it at school. It. They're not going to get it at the movies and the media. The, the, the music our kids are listening to, it's not helping them go after God. Now, as a church, we're here to partner with you in helping your kids learn how to love God. But according to the Bible, check this out. God's call in your life as a parent is to pass the baton of faith to your children, to impress it upon your children, according to Deuteronomy 6, verses six and seven. Do you know one of the greatest social disasters of my generation? Was there was a period of about 25 years where parents were instructed not to teach their kids about religion or morality. They were told to let, you know, you need to let your kids make up their own minds. And the result is there was a whole generation whose lives crashed and burned. And now guess what? We're the parents. But none of us got the spiritual foundation we really needed. And now we're living with the results. And I know firsthand how that messes up your life. That's why, that's why for Karen and I, we've made it our highest priority to train our kids to love God first because we know if they'll learn to do that well, they're gonna be successful in life regardless of their career, regardless of what they choose to do with their life because they're doing the most important thing. But friends, it doesn't stop there because Jesus said we're also to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We're to prepare our kids for real life relationships with God and with others, with others. Teach them how to have healthy, vibrant, connected relationships with other people. Recently, I was reminiscing with some dear friends how many, many years ago, we went over to their house for dinner. Their son, Cole, was six. Our daughter, Sierra, was four years old. We're having dinner, and the kids are playing in the backyard. And all of a sudden, Cole runs in, and he's crying. parents go, oh, my gosh, Cole, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, Sierra hit me with a stick. And we're like, oh my gosh, Sierra, get in here. Sierra, did you hit Cole? Yes, I did. Honey, why did you hit Cole with the stick? She said, because he wasn't paying attention to me. (laughs) And I knew right in that moment I had to train her how to do relationships with other people. I said, honey, you never hit a boy for not paying attention to you. You hit him when he does pay attention to you, and hit him hard. Like I had to train her, right? So, so here, here's what I'm saying. On your outline, here's the training advice of Jesus, of what we have to impart to our kids, not just here, but here, so it shows up here. It's called the golden rule, and it comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus told us, do to others whatever you'd like them to do to you this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets it's the golden rule love your neighbor as you love yourself now we want our kids to do more than just know the rule we want to train them to live it out because man if they will live the golden rule they're golden They're gonna be good, they're gonna do fine. But it's our job as parents to train them for real life relationships, to help them to understand that kindness and respect and truthfulness and compassion and using words appropriately and dealing with anger and overcoming conflict out of the love for God and others is so key. We gave so much focus to training our kids to build real-life relationships with God first and with others, and then thirdly, with, write this down, responsibility. With responsibility. Now, guys, I want you to look at me for a second because I want you to understand, when our children are born, the dependency factor for every human being, when they're born as a baby, 100% dependent. The responsibility factor starts out at zero. As a parent, our goal every year is to close that gap. So year by year by year, they become less dependent on us and more responsible for their own life and choices. That's our job. I was thinking about this and it made me think about my my son. My son, Tim, when he was a young boy, Now, in this area of attitude and and consequences and responsibility, I knew as his dad, if I don't teach him while the training wheels are on, while he's under my roof, if he doesn't get it now, it's gonna ruin his life later. And so when I'm training my son Timothy, I noticed he had this pattern. Whenever something went wrong or whenever he made a mistake, he'd always come up with an excuse and blame someone or something for his pain or problems. And I noticed this pattern. He'd be running through the house, and he'd bump into a chair. Oh, stupid chair. Why do we have to have a stupid chair? Why, I hate that chair. And he'd blame the chair that he ran into. <laughs> stupid podium. <laughs> oh my gosh. Give me a minute, hang with me. And so, and then this picture like playing baseball, I know. So we'd be playing, playing baseball. He'd go to make a catch, and he the the ball would hit his mitt, but he dropped the ball. Stupid ball, and then he'd go, stupid mitt. <laughs> son, you drop the ball in the mitt. They- son, here's son, come here, come here. Son, I want to teach you something here. Son, you're good at spelling, right? How do you spell the word blame? He said, B L uh, A b-l-a-n no 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 son here's how you spell it be lame because every time you blame a chair every time you blame the ball or the mitt when something goes wrong you are being lame and as your dad i am not going to let you be lame you got to take ownership and when you drop the ball you admit you say oh my bad and then you, you confess it, you admit it, and then you take ownership and you work hard to fix it and do better next time. Do you know, that's what the Bible tells us as parents. Galatians chapter uh, six, verses four and five tells us this, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you will not need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are what? each responsible for our own conduct. Underline that phrase, each responsible for our own conduct. And guys, you all see this, right? Because this whole message, it's not just for parents. See, if you're single or you don't have kids, you think, oh, I didn't need this. Well, friends, this message is for you because check this out. We all need to prepare ourselves for healthy life-giving relationships with God, with others, how to take responsibility how to take ownership for the life God has given us. And that's a great lead-in to number three on your outline. God calls me as a parent and as a person, by the way, to practice what I preach, to practice what I preach. That means we model what we want our kids to become. It's not just what you say, but it's how you live. Because the truth is somewhere if you're taking notes, would you write this on the side of your outline? Here's the truth. Character is more caught than taught. Character is more caught than taught. That's why modeling is so important because our kids are not gonna follow what we say, they're gonna follow what they see. Do you get that? That's why I wanna share uh, as a young dad, there is this one poem that I came across that really hit me. Man, I just took it to heart. I'd like to share it with you now. It it really captures everything I've been saying. It goes like this. There are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day and there are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There There are little hands all eager to do the things you do and a little boy who's dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You're the little boy's hero. You're the wisest of the wise. And in his little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right. And his ears are always open, and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little boy who's waiting to grow up just like you. Right? to practice what you preach. And man, doggone it, it's so hard. I remember my wife, one time I'm driving with my wife and uh, son's in the back seat and Karen says, okay, honey, watch your speed. Use your turn signal. Don't roll through the stop sign. Man, like woman, stop being a backseat driver. You know, to get off my case, woman. And she just very quickly brought it back in her perspective. Hey, this is not just about you. Your son is watching everything you do, and you are setting a course for how he's going to drive, not just his car, but his life. See, we need to practice what we preach. Do you see it? Because if we don't, it messes them up, and it leads to rebellion. In fact, there's a picture of this on your outline in, in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 3. Look at this verse with me. It says, he, this was King Abijam, he committed the same sins as his father, King Rehoboam, before him, and his heart was not right with the Lord his God. See, in the Old Testament, we see this so clearly. So many kings, their kids' rebellion was just the kids following in their dad's footsteps. That's why you all know the phrase, like father, what? Like son. Like son like father, like son. Pastor Chip Ingram says it this way on your outline, far better, for better or for worse, my kids are gonna be a lot like me. And I gotta be honest, (laughs) be honest, sometimes it's a little scary when I look at something like that. Like they're gonna follow in my footsteps. I remember when I first found out we were pregnant with our daughter, Sierra, I had some fear like, man, how am I ever gonna be a great dad when I, man, I didn't have any good role models. My dad was a workaholic, alcoholic who abandoned our family. And I thought, man, what? how am I gonna like do this right without messing it up? But then one of my mentors gave me some great advice when he said this, he said, you know, Paul, you already have a great father. You have a good, good father, your perfect father in heaven. And if you'll just take the lessons that you learn about how God parents you and pass them on to your kids, you're going to do just fine. They're going to be okay. But here's the deal. Listen to me. You cannot impart what you don't possess. That's why the, I want to end with the very best advice that I can give you for yourself, your future, your family, is put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus and make it the real deal. Open your heart to, to know love and follow him. And when you start to do that, he'll flood your soul with his love and grace. He'll start to change you from the inside out, and you'll be able to say to your kids, the very same thing it says on your outline from 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's what I hope for you and your family. And I, I want, if you look at the last verse on your outline from Psalm one fifteen fourteen. 14, this is what I want to pray for you right now. May the Lord richly bless both you and your children. Let's pray together. Dear God, First, on behalf of every precious person here tonight, married, single, parent, not a parent, I just want to pause and say thank you for being our awesome father. Thank you that you you love us so much, you gave your son for us, and you treasure us, and you call us to live our lives not as the center of the universe, but part of your beloved family, where we get to carry your name and share your love with others. And at the same time, Lord, I pray for each one of us that you'd, that you'd help us, that you'd prepare us, that you'd show us how to have a great relationship with you that would spill over into our friendships, our marriages, our, our relationships with friends and family and coworkers. And that you'd, you'd help us, learn, Lord, to take responsibility for the choices that we make in our everyday life. And Lord, help us not pretend or go through motions, but to really live out this life of faith so that we practice what we preach. Now, if you're here and you're married and you're here with your spouse, would you grab their hand right now? Because I want to pray for your marriage I wanna pray for your kids. And now, God, for every precious couple, would you, would you bless their marriage? Would you fill them with such an overwhelming sense of your love alive in them that it spills over and reinvigorates their love for one another? Lord, help them to practice marriage centered parenting and give them the strength and wisdom and endurance to raise their kids well. I pray that you bless and provide for every family here today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.